Welcome, welcome, welcome to the official Bitch Warmers Podcast. A sports podcast dedicated to hotcakes, wasting your time, and unmatched stupidity. Featuring your hosts, Adam and Jake. So, the podcast, it's the Cleveland Sports. Yeah, so the Big Play Reflog show is about Cleveland sports. It started off a year ago. We started doing a post-game show of all the Browns games, and it got fairly popular. We had a lot of people calling in. We had some really good feedback. Uh, sponsors were interested. So uh, going into the offseason, rather than waiting a full season and doing a post-game show this season, we decided to just continue it on starting the first of the year. And uh, we do a weekly show that's on Mondays at 9 p.m. We usually will typically have a guest of some sort. Uh, those will range from media personalities to sometimes we'll have players uh, to other people of interest. And then we'll have a show with, you know, your normal features and, and uh, kind of side silliness that we like to do. So, yeah, I do it with a guy named Dave and also Bree. Uh, it's a it's a good triumvirate there of uh, folks that we talk predominantly Cleveland sports and just about anything that might be hot on Twitter or social media on top of that. OK, who was your who was the coolest person or your favorite person to have on the show as coolest? Uh, I tell you who was a lot of fun. We I had two of them here in the last couple of months that were a lot of fun. Uh, one was Jamie Gillum, which is, uh, you know, the Scottish hammer, who's now a punter for the Cleveland Browns. At that mm -hmm. time, he was fighting for a gig uh, to get uh, Spencer Landing out of there. And um, he ended up winning the gig. And now he's going to be our full time punter. But uh, the guy's got an interesting backstory. Uh, came over here. Basically, he posted some of his punting and some of his antics onto Facebook. And then a small school down south picked up on it. And sight unseen, I guess, offered him a scholarship. And he came over here stateside and started punting for them, uh, made a name for himself and eventually made his way to the Cleveland Browns. And that's where we talked to him. And he's just a, a fun loving type of guy. You know, he doesn't take his, himself too seriously. And uh, it was a really, really interesting interview. So I'd encourage anybody to go back and, and listen to that one. And good luck to him on this season. Uh, the second one is Bobby Carpenter. Bobby Carpenter played for the Ohio State Buckeyes back in the day, was part of the championship team, then went on to play for various teams in the NFL, most notably the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, he told a lot of a lot of good stories from both back in the day, uh, as well as his interactions with different players. Uh, he, of course, had some Jim Tressel stories. So it was, it was good stuff. But, uh, yeah, we always try to have some interesting guests. And we've had a, had a few that, that really are uh, really uh, left an impression on me, I know, certainly, and, and, and on the audience as well. Yeah, that, that sounds good. Uh, so now we're going to move into, uh, obviously, the Browns. I'm going to move into sure. that. So on a Big scale of 1 to 10 – but yeah yeah we go into new york tomorrow play the jets of course the big news this week sam darnold is not going to be playing due to mono so that's going to set us up with not exactly the game i think nationally people were looking for because you want to see baker mayfield versus sam darnold and we're not going to get that uh but what i think it means uh, closer to home for us for the Browns and as Browns fans is this becomes from, 
you know, it goes from, OK, this is a game that's going to be competitive. We should win to one that we, we, we just have to win. Uh, couple that with what we did last week against the Titans. That was just a disaster. It was so built up for Browns fans. You know, our first game with the new uh, head coach under Freddie Kitchens, as well as all the new toys that we just got for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Right. Odell Beckham, all the upgrades along the defensive line, which have been huge. Sheldon Richardson, uh, Olivier Vernon. Uh, we, we just we upgraded the team from from start to finish and they had the fans really in a fever pitch for that first game and really were 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 promising something special. In fact, they told the fans to get into the stadium a little early for that game. So you could tell where the mindset of the team was and the optimism of the city and then to go out and have something like 18 penalties for almost 200 yards worth of penalty yards, uh, have a kick a player kicked out for kicking uh, a player, um, kicking a defensive player, and that's our left tackle. Um, just, you know, disaster all over the field for the Cleveland Browns in that first game. So you look ahead now to this Monday nighter and it just becomes paramount that the Browns come out and have a good showing, uh, for everybody, for the fans, for the team and heck, (laughs) even for all those league execs and for all those TV execs that decide to put the Cleveland Browns prominently on national TV this year, this is the first, what will be many, many games on national TV for the Cleveland Browns, which we're not used to in Cleveland. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Hopefully we don't fade under the bright lights. All eyes are going to be on Baker Mayfield to see if he can lead this team after a tough first week um, to the promised land with a big win over the Jets in enemy territory. So uh, all eyes are going to be on this. This should be an interesting matchup. Yeah, you you said – you got all the new toys. You're ready to debut them, but you can't debut the toys if you don't block for Baker. So I think that was one of the main problems for that Browns team was really just the offensive line. And Baker played a decent game through the first three quarters, but obviously it all unraveled through the fourth quarter. And I just want to like on a scale of one to 10, how surprised were you that that was the outcome of that game? It's a good question. You know, as a, as a Cleveland fan, I would probably put it, you know, about a six or a seven, uh, just be, and it wouldn't be any higher than that, just because it's always in the back of my head as a fan that how are we going to screw this up? You know, no matter how good we have it or how good I think we have it, uh, there's always something either, either the football gods, uh, shine negatively upon us, or we do something stupid. In this case, we did a lot of things stupid, uh, that it's just going to screw it up for us as fans. I think everybody's got it out for us. So, um, otherwise I would have had it a lot higher because I really expected with the Titans coming in here. I don't, I don't think the Titans are a great team. Um, you know, I, I really don't see them as a type of team that, you know, maybe a playoff team. But past that, I don't I don't really think they have that much going for them. Um, and coming into, you know, a dog pound and a situation where Browns fans are just rabid and want to see a winner. And you've got all these guys essentially playing for the first time together, which is a is is a negative because you got to you got to come together. But then also, you know, you think they want it. Their energy is up to, to give you a good showing. And, and unfortunately, that totally flopped. And you mentioned it. You me- the, the reason it flopped a lot of it. I talked about all the penalties, but it was the same reason that I was concerned about this team. If you go back to my podcast a couple of weeks out coming into the season, that's the offensive line. Uh, we made upgrades all over the place. Our, our biggest places of need, number one wide receiver, of course, we go to get Odell. Defensive line, I already talked about the guys that we've, we picked up there. Some in the secondary, you know, we, we, we had some pickups and then we also drafted there. Offensive line, we didn't do a whole lot. And it seemed to me 
Like we were scrambling in the 11th hour to try and plug holes. And that really concerned me. We went out and traded for Eric Cush um, to play along that line at right guard. So, you know, when you're making those type of decisions and moves really late into training camp and right before the first game, you know, you're not set. Offensive line is one of those units you hope kind of comes together, builds chemistry. And you could tell at that point, if you're replacing key players that you haven't gotten there yet. And then to see what happens with Greg Robinson coming out, kicking a guy. I mean, this offensive line was a complete disaster. I I knew they were going to be a problem because like I said, we have two good players along that offensive line. We have three question marks and all those question marks proved to be problematic last week. So I don't know what, what you could do. Uh, in a week's time to fix all of those problems along the offensive line. Uh, but we hopefully have focused our efforts uh, to, to get that, get that in a much more uh, <laughs> presentable fashion because it's going to be on display come tomorrow night. Speaking of tomorrow night, would a loss tomorrow essentially end the season as it begins for the Browns? I wouldn't say end the season. You can never go that far. But I'd be remiss not to look at look ahead uh, going into the bye. So they got to buy week seven. So after they play the Jets, they go and play the Rams. The Rams were looking pretty darn good today. Once again, uh, after the first half against the Saints. So we got the Rams at home. Then we go to the Ravens. Ravens, once again, looking pretty good. Go to San Francisco after that. San Francisco Garoppolo looked really, really good today. Uh, and then we have Seattle coming to town and Seattle just roped the Bengals today. So and that's what you have going into the bye. So we lose against the Jets. Then you're looking at a potential of six games before the bye. None of those are gimmies. None of those are gimmies. Uh, you know, you have the two they were down and then another four. So you could go oh and six going into that bye. And then you've got everybody in Cleveland up in an uproar. And, and, and there's all kinds of problems. You start having people and they already have come out where they're saying, defensive coordinator that we're playing this week, Greg Williams, they're saying, why did we get rid of that guy? This guy, Freddie Kitchens, through week one, now mind you, it's only one week, uh, this guy doesn't seem to be getting it together. We thought that he'd really have this team running in the same direction. It doesn't seem that that we've got that at all. Uh, so we've already got people jumping off the bandwagon after one week. So let alone what happens, we lose to the Jets, and then we start that slide of four straight weeks of just very, very difficult football going in the bye. It'll be interesting. So I won't call it a must win to answer your question, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it's a game. We, we, we need to win this game. We need yeah. to win this game. It doesn't, it doesn't make or break the season necessarily, but God, it makes things a hell of a lot easier if we go out and win on Monday night. Because you do that, all of a sudden people get, people start forgetting about week one. You start forgetting about problems. Winning cures all ills. And I think it's a lot easier for a young team to build, um, through through some positives and some success, especially with the history the Browns have had. So I, I think it's a need to win. Um, and, and, I, and quite honestly, I think the Browns will do it. I think the Browns will do it. it. It'll be a culmination of both the Browns being up for this ball game. Number two, the Jets are just beat up. Not not only you got Sam Darnold out, uh, you've also got their their top wide out. You've got their top linebacker. You know, they're they're hurt a little bit. They're reeling. And I think it's really the time for the Browns to assert themselves. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, C.J. Mosley and Leonard Williams are both out, too, like you were saying. So the Jets are definitely in a rough spot. I would be shocked if they were able to pull anything off against the Browns because uh, I, I did predict the Browns to get off to a little of a slow start. 
But another thing with the offensive line is obviously they were pretty poor, like we talked about. But sometimes when you bring new people in, that takes time to mesh. So even if they look pretty shaky now, in three to four weeks, they could be a somewhat better group than they are now. So you're well, hoping well, that's, that they that's improve. The, that's kind of the troubling part, though. You go into training camp this year. You had left tackle Greg Robinson. He maintained left tackle. Left guard Joel Batonio. He stayed at left guard. J.C. Treader at center. He's still at center. We changed the right guard, which is Eric Cush. And then Chris Hubbard. We had him at right tackle. You haven't changed the personnel a whole lot. That's that's part of the reason to concern me is we didn't do any upgrades. And I thought, okay, these guys are kind of skating with what we got. Hopefully those guys are coming together. And then the, the 11th hour, we go and add Eric Cush and we start making personnel changes. It's like, Whoa, 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 whoa! What what's going on here? That the 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 ground's really moving underneath my feet. Um, and, and Chris Hubbard, of course, in that game gives up a huge safety. I mean, it was just it was a disaster for him. So I, I'm hoping, like you say, that we we're able to come together and show some chemistry. But you know, a lot of the personnel along this line have been the same guys that we we brought to the dance originally going into the off season. So. Uh, if they're not going to get it by now, I I don't know what's going to change that, but something has got to. Right. And I, I think that one of the biggest things that this team needs to avoid is distractions. Um, anything to do with Odell that's outside of the football, out off the field, or anything to do with Greg Williams, anything like that, I think this team needs to avoid if they want to be successful now and in the long term. Because if this team starts losing and then you have more distractions from guys like Odell, uh, even Baker, he, he could be a distraction if if – Things go the wrong way at times. Uh, I think the one thing that they need to make sure that they stay on track is how they respond on the field as well as off the field. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? We, I mean, we, we just had the Greg Williams situation with Odell. How do you think that's going to play out tomorrow? Well, that's the problem with this team. I, it's almost my opinion that you've got to embrace distractions. I know for a young team, this is a completely out-of-the-box way of thinking about things, but this team is going to have distractions, and that's part of the reason you have Freddie Kitchens in there. Is that Baker, Baker Mayfield is going to be who he is? You know, mm-hmm. he's going to go to Indians games and he's going to shotgun a beer. He's going to be doing every other commercial that he can do. He's going to be out there. Um, oh, 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 by the way, he's going to be out there doing a lot of charity and things in the community as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but he's just that type of guy. He's a gregarious guy. He's going to be out there. He's going to be that type. And um, and Freddie Kitchens is the type to be a player's type of coach from what we've seen. I think that's part of the reason he got the job is that him and Baker seem to have a pretty good chemistry together. And then you add Odell Beckham in the offseason. And obviously, a guy like Odell Beckham, you you're, you bring him in. You don't expect a guy like that to just be quiet and play football. I mean, right. you that's just not going to happen. And if they did bring him in with the thinking that they're going to be able to do that, then we've got a big problem right off the bat. So you've got two players right there, your star quarterback, your star wideout, who are both over-the-top type of personalities. So I think this team has got to embrace that and to figure it out and not just say, okay, we've got to keep it down. Let's keep a little pro- – no, be that. That's fine. You've got to realize that that's part of your identity, and you've got to just roll with it um, because otherwise you're going to get guys in the locker room who are going to be upset when they see it. And I think you've got to be able to communicate to guys who are quieter and say, hey, listen, I know you may not like this or whatever, but that's who we are. You know, I'm not going to go and tell you that, hey, I'm going to keep Baker quiet and then Baker's going to go to an Indians game and shotgun a beer. You know, that's that's a disconnect. You have to be consistent and say, hey, Baker is who he is. 
OBJ is who he is. You know, these guys are going to act the way they are. And you've just got to understand that. I'm not going to leave some preconception that these guys are going to completely change their stripes, whether we're winning or whether we're losing. It just is what it is. So I think the Indi- or the Indians, I think the Browns have built their team uh, that they've got to embrace it. Otherwise, I would question the entire foundation of what they were trying to do, in not only this offseason, but the offseason before bringing in Baker. Right. Yeah. And uh, and the whole Greg Williams situation, do you think anything is going to come up of it more tomorrow or do you think that's it? Well, we heard from the news and from the media, that's all we're going to hear out of it. Do you think we're it's going to escalate into something or? Uh... I don't think it's going to escalate past this because I think, especially with it being a nationally televised game, I think that the NFL probably doesn't want to go revisit, um, you know, Bounty Gate. I really don't think so. So I think that they've probably sent out memos or had stern conversations with both the Jets organization as probably with with the Browns and with Odell that, hey, guys, we've had our fun here. You need to stop talking about it. And then especially with Greg Williams, where you could, he's not a player. He's obviously a coach. You can have more frank conversations that, Greg, OK, you've said your piece. You're done with it. Don't say anything else. Do your talking on the field. We don't want to hear anything else about Bounty Gate. And I'm sure it's going to come up, obviously, on the telecast. But I think that they're going to try and pat it down, too. That was not a proud moment for the NFL at all. And it was kind of a dark chapter for him. And I'm sure that the NFL doesn't want it brought up on their marquee Monday night football game. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's going to they might mention a little bit, but they're going to try to defuse it. Um what do you think about the Odell wearing the watch? Do you have any strong opinions on it or you really don't care? First of all, I had no idea this brand of watch. I'd never heard of it before. And the fact that it was, what, $250,000 or something like that, like a quarter mil? I thought it was, I thought it was like Yeah, I think grand. it might have been 350000 or something. Three hundred fifty. Well, what's Yeah, what's, it's just. What's well, 100 well, There's a lot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what's the difference? It's, it's a insane. big number. Yeah. No, no. What I was telling Odell this week, I was, I was tweeting at him after everybody was getting up in arms about this watch thing, which I think is kind of funny after after this stuff comes out with Antonio Brown, you know, really serious stuff. And people are still talking about Odell and the watch. Yeah. Uh, but I thought he needs to wear like a Swatch watch or something this week. Do you guys you guys may be too young for Swatch watches, but those were like all the thing back in my day. And they were just these cheap little plastic things that became yeah. trendy. Like overnight, either that or a calculator watch. Anybody who used to have those back in the day, he needs to wear something cheap that uh, everybody could see so he can make a point about it. Just, you know, once again, embrace this stuff. I really don't care. I happen to love some of the off off the field stuff because sports anymore has gotten so serious with the way people break it down. I don't care if he wears a watch. We win that game. No one says it. They say, Odell, how about that guy? We lose that game, then people have a problem with him. And by the way, he wasn't the problem in that game. So I, I don't know that – I don't know that I, – I think everybody wants to make an issue out of everything. And, uh, you know, people get put under a microscope for really dumb stuff. I'm not huge on him wearing a watch, obviously, and I wouldn't tell him to um, unless it's a Swatch watch, of course. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, when you look at the big picture, who really cares? Let's have fun. Let's have fun with our sports. I have enough things in my life that are way, way too serious that when I turn on a game on a Sunday or in this case on a Monday night, I want to be entertained. I want to win a ball game, but I also want to be entertained. Yeah, I can agree with that for sure. 
what was your what did you have the Browns going record wise going into the season before? Oh God, you had to bring that up. So <laughs> yeah, I had them going twelve and four, and okay. now I, I feel really dumb about that. I, I I'm and I'm typically one of those who's not very optimistic with the team. I am usually the guy who. And I'm usually pretty good about predicting uh, how many wins they have. I'm usually off either one too high or one too low, and usually it's one too low. So I'm always like one digit off, and I would love to be either one too high or one too low after saying 12. But yeah. it's not looking good. If we if we sniff double digits, I would be I would be just ecstatic sitting here right now because that would mean probably in our division we'd be in the playoffs. But right now I am hoping that we can go over eight and eight, meaning nine and seven. Um, if I were to recast my prediction, which I'll never do, I'll stand by my 12 and four, but if I were to do it right now, I'd say probably nine and seven, uh, would be, would be more realistic. And if we lose on Monday, that may even come down to eight and eight, or let's have, let's see if we even crack a winning, winning, uh, record. Yeah. Cause I had, I had the Browns going 10 and six. So I was a little bit less optimistic than you, but I mean, I still think they can do it. Uh, obviously they have an insane amount of talent on the offensive end, but yeah, it, it's not, it wasn't looking good last week. And obviously I think tomorrow should, I'm expecting a very big win for the Browns, like 20 points or more, even though, uh, it's in New York, but still, what do you, what do you think about OBJ coming back to New York? Do you think he's going to get some booze or what? You know, I don't Obviously know. It's the Jets, but right, right. Same city, different, different team, mm-hmm. uh, same stadium. Uh, but I don't know that Jets fans necessarily will care that much uh, about that whole OBJ coming back to New York thing. So I don't think that's going to be much of a distraction for him. He may hear some boos because what the hell? People like to go out to stadiums to boo. And if you give them any kind of a reason to do it, they may do it when it's an opposing player. So maybe they do a little bit, but I don't think that's going to be a, a predominant theme there. Adam, you got anything? No, I mean, I, I think I don't think there's any reason for them to boo uh, unless you have just some stingy Giants fans in the, uh, yeah. in the arena like you. But um, <laughs> no, I think I, I, I think, yeah, there's no reason to boo. But um, but yeah, I, I have the uh, the Browns going right now. I mean, after obviously a game, I have them going more eight and eight uh, after looking at their schedule and looking at the teams that who, who's been playing and how they've been playing. It's a tough schedule. I'm not gonna lie. It looks it looks daunting now. Um, uh, there's some games I just don't see how they can win. Uh, like the, their next stretch of four or five games, I, I don't know how they get a win if they get blown out at home to the Titans. You know what I mean? It's just it's just stylistically they should be a better team than they are, and I I get that there's it's gonna take some time to mesh, but this is a team that's come together all of their players in the last what two years. So you're going to have to have time for them to come together and actually mesh as a unit before um, before it translates into wins. So uh, that's just my thought on the on on how they're doing. Um, Well, yeah. And you look like you were saying with their schedule. I mean, I talked about those six games going into the bye and you say, wow, that's pretty tough. Well, then you go into the bye and say, "Okay, maybe we regroup and then we come out strong. Well, then, then you go and play the Patriots and then you go to the Broncos. I mean, good luck, right? I mean, the yeah. Broncos are always tough to play on the road is uh, up there. And then, of course, the Patriots are the Patriots. Then you get the Bills at home. Maybe you get a little bit of a break there. And then you're kind of straight into 
uh, division play through the end of the year. You do have the Dolphins, so week 12, that's kind of nice. But you're playing very division heavy, so you're right back into the fire there. Um, So there's not going to be a whole lot of relief. But guess what? That's the NFL. That's the way it works, guys. you got to go out and win ball games. I don't care who's on the schedule. Just play it and win. The Patriots have been doing this for years, no matter what they throw at them. Supposedly, you know, they've been doing well enough that they get the tougher schedules every year. And the Browns, having not done well for, for quite some time, you generally get easier schedules, or that's the way it's supposed to work out in the NFL with the way they do these things. But um, I, I, I find no reason to complain at this point about the schedule, we assembled a team that we are pretty darn confident about coming two weeks ago into the season. And I don't think after one week we should totally pack it in. Uh, but at the same time, I, you know, it, it, it does. The, the, the road looks very difficult for this team and we'll see what Freddie kitchens can do. It's going to be, I tell you what, this, this, I, I don't see Freddie kitchens being the type of coach I, I he's either going to make it through the season and make it through it strong or he's going to be gone. Uh, I don't see much middle ground in this case. And that's what, what happens when you put together a team like this, um, you know, which has a lot of personalities on it, which can explode at any time. And then you have this type of a schedule. Uh, Freddie Kitchens has got to figure this out with this team. Otherwise, it could go south really, really fast. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. If they go like seven and nine, I don't see them bringing him back. It's just the, it, having so much talent. It's like you kind of just go a different way. And it also depends on what the players feel and all that. But um, anyway, I, you, I saw you heard you mention the Patriots, obviously. Do you see anyone beating them this year? Because they are unstoppable. Like not even that offense. Obviously, that offense is you can talk all day about that offense. They're unbelievable. So much talent. But that defense is looking like some of the best defenses the Patriots have had in the last 15 years. Yeah. So. And it, and it hurts me, you know, as a Browns fan, obviously you got Bill Belichick who we had as the coach before they moved to Baltimore. He got clipped as they move. And, and now you look at the guy who caught a touchdown today, Josh Gordon, right? Yeah. Another guy. Well, could now, have been. well, and I'm not pining for that because we went out and got OBJ. We went out and got Jarvis Landry. So we were able to fill that and we were past Josh Gordon. I mean, we had given that guy every single opportunity he had literally burnt out there was nothing we were left in a position where there's nothing else we could do and and i i almost believe that i don't think the league would have let him back into the league um as a cleveland brown he needed to go somewhere else for a change of scenery whether it be the patriots or anywhere else but of course it's got to be the patriots right that's where all these guys end up antonio brown included so uh sure they're beatable you know any given sunday type of crap Right. But the Patriots are are clearly, once again, the gold standard in this league. Uh, Bill Belichick every year is not only able to bring his A game, but then also give you a little bit of a wrinkle in there, uh, improve some area. um, And and he constantly does that. And you got Tom Brady just playing like Tom Brady. So it's it's really frustrating to see that kind of consistency at the top when you're one of those teams that's meddling at the bottom uh, and really trying to get to where they're at. Um, or even a hint of that, but, uh, but the Patriots are the gold standard. That's what they are. And everybody's been chasing them for hell 20 years now. So we'll see what ends up happening this season, but you're right. They're, they're the team to beat right now. Yeah. Well, the good thing with the Browns is obviously they're pretty young. You got Baker, you got Chubb, you got Kareem Hunt, you got OBJ, you got Jarvis. They're, they're, they're a fairly young team. Obviously you got Denzel Ward on the defensive side and some other players there. They're, the Browns are set up nicely for the future. And you got to think that Tom Brady is going to call it quits within three years and two to three years. So you never know. Maybe you can just 
once Tom Brady retires, if Bill Belichick is still there, maybe he makes some magic happens, probably will be able to. But if he doesn't, the Browns are in a pretty good position to, you know, be contenders in two years. Well, before we could talk about that, though, we got to get out of the division. We, we've got to we've got to be able to get it done in our own backyard, you, which means you got to beat the Steelers, the Steelers and the Ravens. They're both, you know, still the cream of the crop in our division. Right. They're they're kind of the, the stalwarts. Uh, the Bengals look like they may be beating themselves, so we may be okay there. Uh, but we've got to get it done in our own backyard. We've got to get it done in the AFC North uh, before we can even start thinking ahead to teams like the Patriots. Because I'd love to be having that conversation about, you know, the balance of power in the AFC. But not, right now, I'm just worried about scratching and clawing to get ourselves out of the AFC North. Yeah, so speaking of the Ravens, Lamar Jackson. So what did you think going into this year? Did you think obviously I don't think you thought this was going to happen, but are you surprised a lot or not really? I am. I am and I, I still have the same question mark through week 2 of is this guy going to stay healthy? Will he stay healthy uh throughout the season? I I really didn't think of him very highly as a quarterback and uh, quite honestly and I also don't think that his style is going to be able to last through 16 games of an NFL season. And we will see this year. We will see. One of the things about the AFC North is it's very physical. When you're playing the Steelers, when you're now playing the revamped Browns, uh, you're going to get beat up in those those AFC North games. And, and, and as I touched on, the Browns' schedule is tough. Well, that's going to mirror the other guys in the division because they're going to have to play some of those same opponents. And so he's going to be under fire consistently throughout the year. So it'll be interesting to see uh, whether he falls into a into a slump there or whether he can continue. But certainly right off the bat, um, he's already, he's proven me wrong. But we shall see. It's a long season, gentlemen. Yeah. So going back to the development of your quarterback, Baker Mayfield. Do you, obviously you don't love what you saw last week, but going into this season, do you think he's going to be able to become that top seven quarterback that you're hoping, or is that more in the future? Oh yeah. I, I think he could do it in, in short order, to be honest with you. I think with the kind of weapons he's got, uh, the big question is the offensive line that we've touched on here, but if, if they could block for him, I think Baker's going to put up some big numbers and he'll do it in short order because he did it last year uh, through stretches. And, um, you know, now people, you know, naysayers are going to say, well, they've had a chance to see him on film and now adjust to his style. Uh, but I think that Baker's the type of guy who, uh, who who gets his studying done, who does his homework um, and will be able to then adjust his game as well. Um, but you got to keep him upright. You got to keep him upright so that he can use all of those different targets he's got between Jarvis, OBJ, Najoku, you know, and, and we haven't really talked about it. He's got a damn good backfield too. You know, Chubb is a good back. He ran for like 75 yards last week. I think he was averaging 4.5, but he didn't see a whole lot of that because, you know, we, we kind of got our, our throats stepped on by the Titans and we were making so many mistakes. Um, so and, and then, of course, later on in the season, you got Kareem Hunt coming back. So he's going to have a lot of those those um, weapons that are going to make him look good. The offensive line has just got to get out of their own way and be able to let him ba- let Baker be Baker. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm definitely big on Baker, not just this year, but his entire career. He just seems like he has that it factor that some quarterbacks have, you know, like Deshaun Watson, Drew Brees. Baker seems like he has that. So. I'm definitely interested to see what he develops into. 
He's but, not the um, type of player who I think is going to lose lose the locker room. He he seems like a true leader in the locker room. You know, it seems like guys really ri- rally around him, and I think in a genuine way, because he he's he, he has fun with it. He's got an ego, but at the same time, he's self-deprecating. I mean, some of the stuff that he does, he he's just ha- out there having fun, and I think that's that's the type of guy that people will rally around, and he will not lose a locker room, even if things start to go south a little bit, as they already have. I think he's the type of, you know, you show up to work on Monday or Tuesday after getting the crap beat out of you by the Titans. I just think that that Baker's the type of guy who can lift you up a little bit and uh, and get you not just dwelling on that game, but also prepared for the next one mentally because he's not going to be the type who's going to be all doom and gloom. He's going to have some fun with it, but he's also going to get his work done, and I think that'll rub off on the rest of the team. Okay. I definitely well, agree with that. Yeah. So back to the NFL as a whole. Do you have a sleeper team? We have the. I mean, we know we have the Patriots and the the top contenders. Do you have a sleeper team that no one's really talking about right now? The Cleveland Browns. Come on. <laughs> that's only. That's the only answer I'm going to give you for that one. It's going to be the Cleveland Browns because we're going to be coming back. Because I said 12 and four, and now they've got a lot of work to do to to go uh, go 12 three and three losses. through the end of the season. So. Uh, they better be a sleeper team. Now, they're not the type of team no one's talking about because obviously we got them on national TV tomorrow night. Everybody was hyping them coming into the season. They were at one point the odds on favor to get to and win the Super Bowl, which is absolutely insane. Uh, but don't write off the Browns. Don't write off the Browns. We'll see what kind of adjustments they can make after getting punched in the face. This is where the fight really starts. Uh, I think it was uh, Mike Tyson always says, you know, everybody's got a plan until I punch them in the face or until they get punched in the face. And uh, now it's it's how do you respond to that? How do you respond to that? And I I have just some maybe I'm Pollyanna or maybe I've got way too much optimism uh, in the Browns right now. But I think they will respond. I I think it's going to be good for us tomorrow. Uh, If it's not, you know, come tomorrow night, I I may be down in the dumps. I may need a Baker Mayfield to come by and and get me back in in the right mindset because it's it's not going to be pretty, not only for me, but for the rest of the town, because everybody has pinned their hopes to this team. And now with what you've seen going on with the Cleveland Indians just completely collapsing. Now they won today, but they, they got swept in a doubleheader yesterday from the twins. So it looks like the playoffs may be out for those guys. Cavs aren't going to be back anytime soon. So we're pinning a lot of hopes right now in the Cleveland Browns. So the Browns have a, a lot of pressure on them to start performing. And that, and hopefully that starts tomorrow night. Yeah, I feel that. Uh, I want to go back to when you mentioned the backfield, you got Chubb and you got Hunt. How do you see that playing out when Hunt comes back? Do you think it's 50-50? Do you think it's they play the hot hand? Do you think it's they mostly give it to Chubb because he's going to be there the entire year? Or what do you think is going to happen? I, I, I think it's going to be – well, I, actually, I think it creates a nice problem for them, first of all, uh, because I, I think running back is a position in the NFL that just gets the crud beat out of it. And probably more so than a lot of different positions, by the end of the season, it's like you need to go to the bullpen. You need to have a reliever. You need to start taking carries away. Uh, you, you don't need these guys touching the ball, um, you know, every other every other down um, throughout the season. You, they're just not going to survive it. So um, obviously we, we traded away Duke Johnson. Duke was a nice relief for that. Uh, we've got Dontrell Hilliard, who's not bad, but, you know, Kareem Hunt, when he comes on the scene, 
is is going to be just like bringing a closer in from the bullpen. He's going to be a guy who's I, I don't know that he's going to start because I think, like you said, Nick Chubb is going to have earned his spot. Uh, but they're going to use him like, you know, back and forth. Um, and he's just going to be uh, a bolt of energy at the end of the season that we're going to need when we get into um, a whole lot of AFC North divisional play. And uh, hopefully by that time, it's going to matter. <laughs> hopefully it's going to matter. Uh, but I, I really think it plays nicely for us because you keep him rested and rest is so, so huge at that position. And uh, he's going to come in at the end of the season and give us just a nice push. And anybody who's got him on fantasy, that would be great because that means fantasy playoffs, just an FYI. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Def, people are forgetting that Kareem Hunt was one of the better backs in the NFL. So you're right. That is a great problem to have. You add fresh legs week 10. That's just that's going to be huge for the Browns, I think. Maybe not one of the better human beings on the earth, but one of the better backs in the NFL, certainly. I'll be honest that. with you. I'll be honest with you. I'm playing against Chubb tonight or tomorrow night. So uh, I don't like it. <laughs> not yeah, it, now. it should be a big Chubb night. Honestly, with just obviously Mosley's out. That's their best defensive player. Besides Jamal Adams, Leonard Williams is out. That's just it should be a big chub night. And they should be good for me. Nice. Nice. You're trying to work that in as many times as you can. Uh, I like it. Uh, And I think and I think that's probably going to be part of the strategy tomorrow, because I think. They know that Baker Mayfield is going to come in just hyped up as anything. And one of the things you could do to a quarterback, a young quarterback who's really hyped up, is say, hey, turn around, shove it in his gut. Give it to Nick Chubb for a while. Um, Let's get those nerves, get you into the cycle of the game before we're going to ask you to really go nuts and throw the ball and get OBJ going and everybody else. Let's start off with some uh, a nice, healthy diet of Chubb there uh, up the middle around um, getting out of the backfield, swinging it to him, whatever it may be. Um, So that takes a little bit of the pressure off Baker so that he's not making stupid mistakes early before we even get into the flow of the ball game. So I think you're you're right on there. Right. Okay, so uh, we we got one more question for you, and it's it's nothing to do with the NFL. It's NBA. Oh, God. All right. Does LeBron come back? To Cleveland? Yeah. Uh, Only for charity. Only for charity. I don't (laughs) know. I, I mean, really, I mean, he, he does his promise school here and, and everything else. And I think it's great what he's what he pours back into the community. But he's he's not going to come back. Uh, I, I think he probably sees what his buddy Dwayne Wade did in Miami, where he just kind of faded off at the end. He came to Cleveland. They tried that. Didn't work. So he went out to pasture back at Miami. And I'm guessing LeBron has enough that he wants to do off the court. And that's part of the reason that he's moved around. That's the reason he wants to go to L.A. That's the reason he wants to be in Miami and South Beach is he wants to be a mover and shaker. He wants to be a producer. He's producing shows. He's got a lot of irons in the fire. And I don't think that that adds up to him spending a couple of years at the end of his career, you know, as a starter in Cleveland where he he's just not the same LeBron James. Uh, I think he'll probably be one that once he's done and he knows that, hey, I just don't have it anymore. He's going to hang it up probably earlier than like a Dwayne Wade um, at the end. And 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 I, I would I would assume uh, that he'll he'll ride off into the sunset. And that does not include Cleveland because he'll be wanting to go uh, offer his next challenge, whatever that might be. Yeah. OK. Yeah, I feel that. Well, well, just staying on the topic of the Cavs. One more question. 
<laughs> you you think they're the worst team in the NBA right now, or do you think that belongs to the Hornets? Oh God, you know. I like the Cavs. I like them. I think the Cavs are young. The Cavs are definitely. I mean, Kevin Porter Jr. was. We I suck. think he was a great pick. He was. <laughs> we had two I first round picks between him and Darius Garland. I think he got a couple of good. I mean, we're we're. We've got a nice core there that we're trying to build around. We're trying to get young. The thing that I do not understand, trying to get young, but yet we we extend Kevin Love, right? Mm-hmm. And Kevin Love's not going to play a full season again. He's going to end up being hurt. You know, it's a nice veteran presence, but it's like that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I'd love to move Tristan if we could. I guess we, we're not going to be able to. I, I don't know. It, what I'm afraid of is for us to be just good enough to be caught in between. And that's just purgatory if you're an yeah. NBA fan. You either want to suck, and I mean really suck, or you want to be good enough to make the playoffs. Because if you're stuck right in the middle there, then you just got nothing. Um, I should say good enough to go deep in the playoffs. Because if you just make the playoffs, then then that's that's where the purgatory purgatory right. lives. Um, right there to just not making it. I mean, if, if you're out of the lottery, forget about it. So. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I like some of the pieces. I love I love Larry Nance Jr. You know, he's a local kid. He's, he's played OK for us, um, really is involved in the community. I'd really love for him to work out with this this new team um, as it comes together. But, you know, there are just a lot of pieces. The NBA is just a different beast where you could totally change the the your team overnight. And that's almost what it takes. You go from one year having crap to next year you sign three players. You know, three players want to come here. And that's almost the new model. And that's not the model that I grew up with. Uh, but this whole building slow and going through the process, I, it just doesn't seem to ring a bell. It doesn't seem to work the same way that it used to. And I don't know. That's where the Cavs are at. And Dan Gelbert's got to figure out a way to turn this thing around and, and get some people to come here, I think, in the new model. I do like, by the way, John Beeline. I think that was nice coming over from Michigan. I yeah. like the fact that number one, it hurts Michigan, which as an Ohio State fan, that always brings a smile, <laughs> right? And number two, he's a he's a good coach. I think whether he could coach in the NBA, I don't know. But you know, with a young team like this is, I think this is a great spot to find yeah. that out. And if it does work out, that'd be absolutely awesome. So I, I think we've got some positives there, but but overall, they're they're going to be crap again. I, I really firmly believe that. And hopefully, if they are crap, they're going to be crappy enough that we're going to get some good players out of it. You want crappy, but you want fun crappy. Right, right, exactly. Fun crap. You know what's what's really what what sucks is if you get like Kevin Love gets hurt, you know, Tristan Thompson hurt again, and then you got a bunch of scrappy guys who you're just changing out all the time and you have no direction at all. Well, that's no fun at all. It's like I, I wanna have some sort of a direction to the team and hopefully that comes into focus uh, as we start this season. 